for example, if we look on the world stage, um, even the conflict that's continuing to happen in Sudan and in South Sudan. And yet here in Memphis, we have former residents, former refugees from Sudan and South Sudan playing together on one team with both flags. And that that's not happening in their home countries, but they're they're playing that out through the platform of soccer right here in our own city and showing they want to come above what's happening on the world stage and come together as brothers here in our city. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. What are you doing to celebrate the diversity of our international community? If you go out to, you know, the Kroger, if you go out to the mall, you will notice very obviously that we do have a very diverse culture. Those numbers have significantly grown over the years. And so uh, we welcome internationals and the opportunity. You know, God has given us the mandate to take the gospel into all the world. Well, in most cases, the world is coming right to us and allowing us to build these quality relationships with people to be able to love on and share the good news, share the kindness of Christ. Today, we're going to talk about a wonderful way we can do that with the Cup of Nations, the Memphis Cup of Nations soccer tournament. Karen Spencer with World Relief Memphis is here. And Kyle Rote Jr., who is a World Soccer Hall of Famer and dear friend of mine, dear friend of Bot Radio, Kyle, good to have you back. Always want to be part of uh, 640 AM, and uh, <laughs> good to talk to your audience again. Well, we appreciate that. And Miss Karen, you're busy at work at World Relief Memphis. Give us an update. I haven't had you in in a while to find out what's been happening. No, it's we've actually been very busy. We recently moved into a new location, so we've got... Um, all of our ministry operations, all of our programs and services at one new location on the corner of Quince Road and Estate. And we've, since we last met, we've launched a Connect Language Center. So we're serving through uh, more accessible ESL programs, quality ESL programs, all levels, four days a week, mornings and evenings, as well as our, our ongoing services for refugees and asylees and other immigrants in the community. Wow. I tell you, you guys do stay busy. We you do. Know? And, of course, you, I know you couldn't do what you do without having volunteers. I'm sure you've got a, a great staff and a good team of volunteers to help you do that. We do. Well, our, our mission is actually to empower the local church to serve the most vulnerable. So we can't do what we do without engaging and empowering churches across the Mid-South. So yep. that's very exciting. And to have church-based volunteers raising their hands and really putting that love in action. You just gave a buzzword, most vulnerable. That word gets used a lot. Define that. What do we mean by the most vulnerable? Well, if you think of, for example, I'm an immigrant myself. I just became a U.S. citizen just a couple of months ago, but I chose to come here. I came originally as a student, and so I've not had the same vulnerabilities as other immigrants, for example, who have remaining barriers in place that keep them vulnerable, keep them without choices, for example. So there's different reasons why people migrate. We see migration all throughout Scripture, right? And even throughout Scripture, we see most of that migration caused by uh, by force, by persecution, by war, by conflict. And that's still the case today. So a lot of the people that we see migrating into the United States and, and living in our own community it's been trauma that's forced them to to move and to seek safety. So in that sense, we've got, um, you know, hurdles like language, lack of jobs, um, being able to provide for their family, overcoming some of those obstacles, finding community, even knowing that they're welcome, that they're loved, that people want them here. And that's why this Memphis Cup of Nations provides 
kind of a welcoming atmosphere. It's designed to have right. fun, really, you know? A lot of talk about building a wall, okay? And we're not here to talk about whether to build a wall or not, but sadly, there's walls within inside our country we have built up against those who are immigrants. As you said, the church and the faith community should be setting the example of showing kindness and love. As you look at these examples you just mentioned in the Old Testament, as you see there were sojourners, Scripture always Kyle gave reference to be kind and show goodness to the sojourner. Well, in particular, one thing that I really appreciate that uh, World Relief has been doing is it's not only about uh, trying to help immigrants to the U.S., but it's primarily focused on the refugees, those people who have a fear of death, a legitimate fear of death, not necessarily, uh, and again, not to get political, but we're not talking about people who are walking up on their own from South America or from Central America, but we're talking about people where uh, they are on a daily basis uh, fear being killed or being taken advantage of. And so we really appreciate what World Relief does. Let's go back and give a little history of World Relief itself, Karen, because the organization started, I believe, somewhere back in the 1940s. It did. It's had quite a reputation of working in the U.S. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it is the only faith-based event. Help me out here now, because I want to. I don't right, want to so say our it. full name is actually World Relief of the National Association of Evangelicals. Okay. And so we are the relief arm of the National Association of Evangelicals, and it did. It was birthed about seventy-five years ago after World War II, when churches and Christians across the U.S. saw and were really moved to act with compassion for displaced refugees in Europe following World War II. So it started as war relief eventually became World Relief, has primarily focused on those displaced by war and persecution around the world. So a number of different countries. Today, we're active in 20 countries. In the U.S., we're active in 20 cities. Here in Memphis, we've been here for six years. And so that really aligns with the birth of the Memphis Cup of Nations as well. So we've been partnering with it since the beginning and finding it a a fabulous way to keep introducing as you said earlier, the diversity in our city, the international community that makes our really brings the image of God to full bearance right. Um, right here in our own community and helping our community to be more welcoming and come alongside. And of course, we're seeing a surge, Kyle, of excitement for soccer, which I'm sure you're glad to. We have our own team now here in Memphis. Well, I do, in part because in the late 1960s, when I uh, left my family. American football, love. My father played in the NFL for 11, 12 years, and another family member played 15. So everyone thought that was my path. As it turned out, I became, as Dallas Morning News one day called me, when did communism come into the Rote family? (laughs) (laughs) And so, of course, he was kidding in a way, and I know the guy, and but uh, a lot of people were shocked that I uh, departed from American football to go to world football. But I have uh, zero regrets, and I will have to say my father, for all of his broadcasting career in NBC after his playing time with the New York Giants, uh, I was very fearful to go to him and say, Dad, I think I'm going to really look at this soccer thing. And he gave me just the opposite of what I was expecting. Rather than say, oh, no, son, you need to stay within the family of American football, he said, son, he said, most people in America don't even know how important soccer is in the rest of the world it's stopped sometimes civil wars it is a tool of peace for so many other areas and uh, if you can uh, make it in soccer 
I really encourage you to do that. So don't worry about American football. My cousin and I will take care of that. But you try to make an impact on world football. Kyle, when when was that? What year was that your dad gave you that advice? That was 1972. I was headed out to actually been playing with a couple of buddies of mine. We had a a professional team in the Dallas area because of uh, the Lamar Hunt family from 1968 on. And so I would always get up a bunch of really good athletes because they needed people to play against. They needed to play again. And so we kind of got introduced to soccer as kind of being that group that you play against that you're going to beat up on. And a lot of those European players did beat up on (laughs) and the Brazilians and all that. But uh, it was a great introduction. And I think many of us who were part of that group realized, you know, we could actually turn this into uh, a long time, uh, not necessarily a professional career, but a great love. And it certainly uh, has turned out that way. Yeah. It did become a professional career for you. I mean, for some time. Uh, it did, and uh, I thank the Hunt family. I was uh, uh, their number one draft choice when they decided to add the draft to the uh, professional soccer preparation. And uh, I will have to say all my teammates, all of whom, with the exception of one, came from overseas. They were not jealous of me. If if they had not passed the ball to me, I couldn't have scored, and uh, I was very fortunate to be able to uh, have some success. But if if they had not been unselfish, I never would have uh, had the success that I had. You know, Karen, Kyle said something, too, that was interesting to me when he said that the soccer in places of the world had the power to even cease wars. Of course, I know that soccer uh, or football, <laughs> real football, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it means to so many outside the U.S. It doesn't take long if you travel to some of the countries where I've been in Central America, down in Nicaragua, and some of these places. You learn very quickly, you know, how important soccer is that is wonderful way that you can host 16 teams yes from around the world here and i think what you said kyle bears true here as well for example if we look on the world stage um even the conflict that's continuing to happen in sudan and in south sudan and yet here in memphis we have former residents former refugees from sudan and south sudan playing together on one team with both flags and that that's not happening in their home countries but they're they're playing that out through the platform of soccer right here in our own city and showing they want to come above what's happening on the world stage and come together as brothers here in our city well there's no better way to uh, say what soccer can do play stop the biafran conflict in africa many many years ago sadly um, a couple of months after he left, uh, they went back to fighting one another. But at least for a period of time, we've also seen uh, soccer wars in Central America. Um, and so the, the game has an impact beyond what most of us here in America, as we focus on our American sports, would even understand. So there's a political element that the game of soccer has always played. Well, we have seen this tournament, Memphis Cup of Nations, grow, as you mentioned, six years, World Relief here in Memphis this tournament starting six years ago. How many teams originally when we first started this tournament? Do you know? I think the first year we may have had eight, but we've moved up to 16. And right now we have waiting lists, so it's a really nice position to be in where uh, we can count on 16 teams to give us a great day of of soccer, and we're looking forward uh, to this year. And that's this Saturday, matter of fact. This Saturday, if the fields are not playable because of rain, right now the weather looks fabulous for Saturday, but if for some reason rain during the week makes the fields too wet, then our rain date is the following Saturday, 
May 4th at Bellevue at their fields. And so either way, we're set for a great day of Now, where's the location for this Saturday? It's at CBU, Christian Brothers University, on their fields. And so um, it starts at 8.30 a.m. with a parade of flags. And so that's where each team and each country champion, each each team is actually matched with a fan club of Memphians who's coming around uh, around them each of uh, their games to cheer for them. So they also will be in the parade of flags in the morning at 8.30. We'll have Kyle make announcements at 8.45, and the first matches start at 9 a.m. Well, you get the best right here. We this, do. He's incredible. Well, we're very fortunate to get four certified referees from the U.S. Federation, Soccer Federation. So we've got fabulous field that Christian Brothers University gives us. Therefore, they're not playing on uh, on rocks and on uh, broken pieces of glass, which they often were in their home country uh, and even some here. Uh, but we also have uh, top-class referees that do the uh, top levels, and they have been with us now going into our sixth year, and we're very thankful for them as well. And Bristine Fields, as you mentioned, CBU, of course, is one of the top fields you know in the city that they can come and, and play on, which makes it very nice. And let's also talk about some of the support, because I was reading on the website where Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland, the Shelby County Board of Commissioners, Rural Relief Memphis, Christ Church, Barnhart Crane, Christian Brothers University – and there's other community partners that have really gotten behind this. Well, Karen probably has the exact number, but we have about a dozen uh, churches that have adopted teams. So um, Christ United Methodist Church has adopted China, uh, for example, uh, and and other churches are adopting, and then they come and they cheer for that, and they're kind of a, at least a one day, give them a chance, a, a team to, to uh, cheer for and uh, come out there and support them and those players really, really feel it. Uh, we as a welcoming nation to immigrants and to refugees, it's a great way to show uh, our acceptance of them into our culture. Kyle, outside of the tournament, have you had connections with some of the participants throughout the year, other times that you possibly have been with them? Uh, some. I think probably what has been uh, a, a great step that Karen was really part of was to pair these teams with church memberships and those church memberships have now grown so that those relationships uh, are now being built through the churches that happen to support that particular country and uh, we're always looking for more Uh, let Karen talk a little bit more about that but these uh, champions uh, for the team to have people cheering for you uh, on a Saturday morning uh, even though they don't really know you necessarily uh, is a great way to say we are uh, happy to have you as part of our culture. Let's talk about the significance of that, Karen, a little bit. As Kyle was saying, you know, just having these churches come out and show support, not just for the tournament, but beyond other opportunities that they can connect with these precious people. Right. Really, the tournament itself is that first opportunity to come alongside, to see the diversity of the city, to consider scripturally all tribes, all languages, all nations. That's something we're looking forward to as we anticipate and as we read in Revelation 7-9. But we get to see that played out in one day. But one day is not enough either. We really want to facilitate those relationships throughout the year. And so we encourage any church who has a country champion fan club to plan activities, to plan ways to engage with the players and their families throughout the year. So some do that by scheduling picnics or 
cookouts after the game. Um, some find ways to even use their church soccer fields to allow the teams to practice throughout the year. And so they're building relationships with those players and their families throughout the year. And that's really what we want to see. We see some people who, um, well, outside of soccer, their families become friends and are doing things together throughout the year and really living out what we see scripturally to be a good neighbor. Let's talk about some of the situations where many of the refugees come from. As Kyle talked about, political asylum, and you mentioned too, you know, because of war, because of political unrest in their country, fear for their life, they leave everything behind. They come here, you're helped to process their new home, get them adjusted. I mean, talk about that and what it means for them when they first, you know, step off the plane, come here to Memphis, and what that's like. I can only speak to what I've seen, what I've witnessed, and I've I've seen families reunited after a decade apart and where you have a whole group of people who've been displaced and and connected only through technology for years and years and years to come together and to really collapse weeping at the airport but being brought together there's still so much that has to happen and they actually have support for such a very minute amount of time in the grand scheme of things so it's actually imperative that we surround them with a caring community and so that's where with World Relief, our good neighbor teams come into play. We try to match every new arriving refugee or asylee family with a good neighbor team. Primarily, those are church-based good neighbor teams, not always, but that's certainly where we're getting to share a lot of our work. And so um, they're trained in how to just do life together. We're providing those essential services to bring a family to stability. So that would include, like I said earlier, the English classes, um, all the different enrollments that a family might qualify for. But that doesn't replace someone that you can call or text and say, my child's sick, what do I do? And so, or, or going to Kroger for the first time, if you've been provided food on a monthly ration for decades, how do you know what to choose at Kroger? So having a friendly person who's just able to do life with yeah. you, that's where those true lasting relationships emerge. Helping somebody get their driver's license is a right. big deal. Too. We don't think about that. You We've know? had volunteers who've been in the delivery room with a mom um, as they deliver their child. We've seen people name their babies after their volunteers because they're not volunteers anymore. That's such a meaningful person yes. in their life. Wow. That's, That's why we call them country champions. There are players who are champions on the field, but they're also these support personnel who give part of their life to help uh, assimilate this family into our culture. Right. And the key thing for us to talk about today is the tournament is itself. The 16 teams, teams are ready to play. They're all excited to be out there at CBU on Saturday morning at 830, kicking off with a parade flag parade that yes. will take place but what we're asking folks to do is to come out yes it's and, a free community yeah, event yeah and so make sure you come out there's going to be actually activities for the kids play where you stay is a new program partner with us this year so they'll have organized games for the kids on another field at the same time um, not only that but memphis 901 fc will be there they'll have a tent on site and doing drawings and prizes throughout the day we'll have um, different event partners lots of food trucks out so definitely we want as much of Memphis to come out and to celebrate all of the people who are there and 
really show how welcoming a city we are. As you mentioned, it's free. You don't have to have a ticket. Just no, come, thanks just to be our there. sponsors, it's a free event. Yes, yeah, so you just come out. And you don't have to stay the whole time. Yeah. Right, you can come and go. So you come and yeah. go. And a lot of people that do, they come out there for a couple of hours and give their children a chance to kind of watch international soccer being played and the varying styles that are there on the field. And with four matches going on simultaneously, the way that we build up the field, um, you're going to find a style of soccer that you like one way or the other. Anything we should be looking for, Kyle, for somebody who doesn't know a lot about soccer? Well, a couple of quick things. One is that you won't should not see any sliding tackles. We don't uh, allow that because of the risk of injury. And so that's one thing that would be slightly different. You'll wonder why maybe uh, players aren't sliding into each other, as you see on television, and uh, putting players at risk. Uh, and so we've just decided that we're going to try to make this as healthy as we can. And this is one of the ways in which we'll do that. But some players, some teams will hold on to the ball and they'll want to just keep possession and say this is uh, they, they, may, they may not even score a goal, but they if they hold on to the ball for possession, and this is also true in international soccer as well, different styles. And then there are other teams that say, we're going to go 90 miles an hour. We're attacking all the time. And this uh, passing back and forth just to hold on, this is uh, the scoreboard doesn't show the amount of time you hold on to the ball. Yeah. <laughs> what the scoreboard shows is how many goals that you score. And uh, But there are different styles and different ways to do that. Well, we mentioned China. Can we mention all the different sure. countries represented? Sure. So we have uh, Team Mexico, and they have won the tournament four times. Uh, they were beaten last year by Team Mauritania. And so we know that that was some highly competitive soccer, and we anticipate them continuing to battle it out this year. We have uh, Team Brazil, Team Liberia, Team India, China, you mentioned, Guatemala, Bhutan, Ethiopia, uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Senegal, Pakistan for the first time in this year's tournament. Um, I mentioned Mauritania, Colombia, Sudan, and South Sudan play as one team, and Burundi. One of the interesting things to me, just as a soccer person, um, is that uh, with both uh, Senegal and Mauritania, they're Northwest African nations. They have a border between them in some ways. Even though Mexico has dominated early on in our first couple of years, these teams are now Congo. Uh, other teams that are coming from different parts of the world uh, are giving us a, a very fresh, different way to look at the game of soccer. Wow. Will there be any opportunity to experience any of the culture from these different nationalities that come with their families to meet them? I mean, you can interact, any, any kind oh, of culture. yeah. yeah. No, we definitely encourage. And if you aren't with a group that's matched with a particular team, then yes, float from game to game. Follow the flags. After the parade of flags, the flags will be positioned on the field that that team is playing. So you can easily identify who's playing at any given time and just join. Bring lawn chairs, sit in the stands at CBU and and get to okay. know, visit with people. And Kyle, when do you anticipate the, the big championship, the win-all game, when will that take place? That will be uh, around 2.20 in the afternoon, and so uh, we'll get started. So if you just want to come out and just get behind the, the big match, you can do that around 2 o'clock. Yeah, about 2 o'clock, two o'clock yeah, and you can, uh, you can watch that last match. But anytime between 8.30 and, say, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, come by and spend some time. Yeah, I would, but I would say when we talk about 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock is after we've cleaned up everything and we're headed uh, back out. So the, uh, 
the real match is in terms of the time. Uh, you probably need to be there for the two o'clock, and and uh, we have lunch early, so lunch will be about eleven twenty, I think, if I recall something like that. And so for the players, it's just for them. There are also going to be food trucks for a- all the fans, and we have had some fabulous food trucks, and <laughs> we've actually had a few players say i want the food off the food trucks <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, do you know who the food trucks are going to be yet or, i should have brought that list that's okay they're going to be great they're, it always <laughs> is when you yeah. have an event like this yeah we have always, several lined yeah. up um and and because i need this first thing in the morning jay brooks coffee is going to be there so if they're one of our sponsors and they're going to be serving coffee in the morning and then we have several a variety of different types of food there's a couple of websites we want to draw people's attention to in reference to Memphis Cup of Nations. There's a Facebook page, I believe, for Memphis Cup of Nations. Is that right, Karen? Yes. So Memphis Cup of Nations on Instagram, we're Cup of Nations 901. And so those two pages, we have the Facebook event. So sixth annual Memphis Cup of Nations, World Relief Memphis. You can find all of those events tagged. And your webpage, too, at World Relief. Yes. So worldreliefmemphis.org opportunities to volunteer to come learn is there any informational type meetings that you have that we pe- have an event page on our website so worldreliefmemphis.org that has our upcoming events we have several events this coming month and also what about needs like i know from time to time if there's like household goods that are nice condition not ready for the junkyard but can still be you know used right. talk about some of those things so definitely household furniture when a family arrives um, we are responsible for setting up their very first apartment so basic household furniture washers and dryers oftentimes we're looking for and then on our website we also have a list of what we call welcome kits so just basic items that you would need to set up your first home so that could be toiletry items could be cleaning items dishes things like that so if you're doing some type of garage sale or spring cleaning Right now is a perfect time to think of dishes, pots and pans, things like that, and we can arrange for pickup as well. Again, that website is worldreliefmemphis.org, worldreliefmemphis.org. So go there and get the details, and it's going to be great. I'm excited about the Memphis Cup of Nations Tournament Saturday. Christian Brothers University, the soccer field's there. There'll be Apple parking, too, I'm sure. And the best way to get it is to go down Central Avenue off of East Parkway, and there are several entrances, but that's the best entrance to come in. Uh, That's right next to the Liberty Bowl, uh, and so get on Central Avenue and go through that entrance, and you'll be right where you need to be. All right. Karen, Kyle, always a treat to have you here to talk about the Memphis Cup of Nations. Karen, we'll have to get back and talk about more details. Sounds great. Would love to bring some of your residents to come and share their stories, too, so the mics are always open. Kyle, you know this is open home for you anytime. Appreciate your support for Bot Radio, and thank you both for coming and being our guest today. Thanks, God Byron. bless. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid South Viewpoint. Do appreciate you stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.